Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to episode 373 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Wednesday, October the 12th, about 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're in the aftermath of the Braves getting a much-needed victory on this Wednesday. Game 2 over the Philadelphia Phillies to even the NLDS at 1-1. And I'm joined with this post-game reaction slash breakdown slash everything else by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. How are you? That was uh, maybe not a true must-win game for the Braves tonight, but... I mean, it, it was basically a must-win game tonight. You, you certainly don't want to lose uh, the first two in the series and then head to Philly. The Braves played really, really well, and uh, we certainly have a lot to dig into for tonight. And then, of course, uh, looking ahead to what should be a fun weekend uh, as the Braves hit the road. Yeah, so again, if we have new listeners, I know they're, generally speaking, the listenership is always larger after a victory than it is after a loss. So if you were to have perhaps missed the game one recap on Tuesday evening. I forgive you, but go ahead and download that that episode for us and check it out and please subscribe to the podcast. But at the top of the show, we'll just say like, obviously this was a, um, a close fought game throughout the Braves ended up winning it by three, nothing margin. It was never super comfortable along the way. It was zero, zero for a large swath of this game. Uh, Scott's guy, Kyle Wright was the hero of the day, which we'll talk about in a moment. And the sixth inning was kind of the pivotal stretch. Uh, you said it, you said it well. Like it was a virtual must win. That was what sort of the theme of last night's episode that Eric and I did. Was like, look, the series is not over if they lose game two, but you end up being a very very large underdog down 0-2. Whereas if you win, uh, the Braves I think are going to be favored now in the betting markets and projection systems and all that stuff after this game. So a pretty big swing toward Atlanta. It's, uh, that's obviously pretty obvious for a five game series, but a big one for sure. And uh, I think you found a stat that I, I, w- I want to start with actually about how this sort of lines up with last year. Cause it doesn't really mean anything, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's um, so if you're looking for parallels between this year's start and last year, uh, game one of the 2021 NLDS against Milwaukee, uh, the Braves lost by one run and then they came back to win game two by score of three to nothing. And of course, (laughs) lo and behold, this year the Braves lose yesterday by uh, one run deficit. And then uh, I thought they just, they executed really well tonight. I mean, that was a clean playoff performance. Maybe didn't have uh, nearly as many opportunities to to score, to break it open as they did in game one. Uh, But nonetheless, I mean, a very clean game. I I don't remember game two of the NLDS last year vividly, but I'm sure it was a, a fairly similar game script. Uh, and we know what the Braves' formula is in these playoffs, right? You get a lead and you hand it over to the very, very good bullpen. And that form- formula worked tonight, and and hopefully it works another 10 times over the next month. That is the plan for sure. And uh, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> Basically, the Braves clinched the World Series tonight with this uh, 3 nothing victory. That's right. According get to your, uh, <laughs> uh, so Get no. your uh, vacation requests <laughs> in now for the parade. Yeah, go ahead and make your plans. Okay. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully the buses drive slowly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, well, we can dive in now. This is not going to be our longest episode in terms of the game breakdown, in part because the first five innings of this game – uh, as I mentioned before, we're zero zero and it was not like boring baseball. Like I think I enjoyed watching it for the most part, at least through the prism of not melting down the entire way, but it was zero zero for a long time. And uh, really with the exception of a leadoff double that Kyle Wright allowed the second inning, he kind of avoided a little bit of danger there by uh, getting a, a timely ground out with the infield in not a whole lot of damage really at all to Kyle Wright. And really he, Above all, like individually, he was the story of this game. Um, we'll sort of fast forward this to the sixth inning where he sort of he sort of exited, but his line 
six innings, two hits, one walk, six strikeouts. Of course, no runs allowed. And because uh, you are, if not the leading Kyle Wright scholar of us all, Scott, you were certainly near the top of the list. Uh, it was a heck of a night for Kyle Wright and it's sort of shades of last year when he kind of burst onto the scene. But this year, uh, clearly a more reliable guy all season long, 20 plus wins, et cetera. But he definitely rose to the occasion and uh, pretty much blanked a pretty good offense. Well, and the Braves needed Kyle to have a big night. Like nobody was expecting Max Freed to get run in the, what was it, the fourth inning yesterday. So for Kyle to go out there and throw six really, really good innings, you noted that Bryce Harper had a double, but other than that, there was really no damage. Uh, Kyle was attacking the strike zone. Uh, the, the curveball was phenomenal tonight. He had some really, really good hitters like Kyle Schwarber and JT Realmuto looking silly against it. Uh, it it's just yet another uh, tip of the cap to Kyle. He's been so good all year. I don't have to tell Braves fans how important Kyle's success has been to this year's team, but for him to step up when the Braves really needed him to pick up uh, a, a frustrating performance yesterday for Max, you, you just can't say enough good things about the kid. Just uh, a huge performance uh, because as we know, there was just such a small margin of error tonight going up against Zach Wheeler, who is just absurd himself. Uh, just a, you can't say enough good things about Kyle Wright. Yeah, and listen, we could do the whole like full-on breakdown. I was a little worried the second time through the order. The contact was a little bit better for Philadelphia. I, I noted at one point they had four batted balls and like a five-batter radius of at least 98 miles an hour. Like It wasn't like he was completely and utterly dominant in that run, but he did his job the entire way. Um, Snick, Snickers wisely kept a short leash on him. Third time through the order, he let him start the sixth inning, which was not a, a huge surprise because he was still working on a shutout. That's kind of standard, standard operating procedure, but Snit had A.J. Minter up and ready to go in the sixth. They didn't, they didn't have to use him right away, but that was a, a good decision with the big guns coming the third time through the order for Philadelphia. So, like, you know, normally on these post-game podcasts in the playoffs, we do, we do a lot of, you know, back and forth man managerial evaluations and that kind of stuff. And there really wasn't much to get into here because of, in short, how good Kyle was and the way that it was so formulaic in a good way. Like you basically just get six from your starter, you turn it over to your three best relievers, bada bing, bada boom, you get a victory. It's like, but that, none of that works without Kyle Wright throwing six innings of great baseball. So uh, it was huge. I mean, we don't want to overstate it. It was not like, you know, it was the world series on the line here, but he, uh, had a lot of pressure coming into this start as the whole team did, but in, in particular, the guy with the ball in his hands uh, for the majority of the game. And he just pitched great. And uh, yeah. there you go on that. You think about the last calendar year that Kyle has had, right? Spent almost all of 2021 in Gwinnett, which did wonders for him, right? Like we, we were clamoring for Kyle to get a chance to pitch every five days. Even the Braves came out and kind of admitted, yeah, we probably messed up his, his, uh, you know, his, his routine too much the last few years, but he's been so good this year. And, and then you, you think about when he made that, that appearance in the world series last year, uh, everyone was like, Whoa, who is this Kyle Wright? And we all had a little bit of hope, even as the resident Kyle Wright fan on this podcast. I mean, I never saw him being this good. And again, you just can't say enough good things about that spot in front of 40,000 fans. He had the long rain delay as well. I know that he wasn't exactly warming up and, and they had to call it in the 11th hour. I mean, he knew there was going to be a lengthy delay, which is, I think, another part of the mental game that you have to battle when you're when you're all amped up to start a game. Uh, just just a phenomenal job by by Kyle. And hopefully he gets a chance to take the ball again at some point in this playoff. Yeah, we didn't even mention the long rain delay, which is my fault. Obviously, it was a weird day at the office for the Braves. You know, you and I going back and forth trying to figure out when we're going to do the podcast and all that planning stuff, people that were over there all day long. And it's like, uh, I, I saw the Braves announced that they were going to serve half price food and beverages for the hours in between for fans that were already there. They announced the delay like two hours before it actually happened. It was like two 30 or three local time when they said, okay, we're not starting on time. It was a four 37 game. So lots of weirdness there, but for everybody to stay locked in in particular starting pitcher, because usually those guys are very routine based and for Kyle to keep it all together, really mature approach there got a lot of swings and misses in this game uh, kept the ball on the ground for the most part against a high-powered offense so like a complete start and listen like you said it before Zach Wheeler's awesome like Zach Wheeler was awesome in this game even like even when the Braves finally got to him which we'll get to in the sixth inning um 
you know, it wasn't like they just like teed off on Zach Wheeler. Like there was a lot of, I should say, there was very little margin for error for Wright because of the way that, you know, the Philly, Philly had a top 10, 12 pitcher in the league on the mound in this game and uh, Wright outdueled him. So there you go. Um, we'll get into all of the, uh, all the offensive fun in a second in the sixth inning. Uh, last thing before we do that, though, uh, how about the Davis Watson catch over the shoulder to end the sixth inning on the uh, run prevention side? We'll touch on the Austin Riley catch later on when we get to that inning. But uh, before we sort of put, put a pin in the sixth inning and Kyle Wright's performance, Dansby's catch was uh, the first of a couple of different web gems in this game. And uh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. Heck of a play. That that was superb. I mean, over the shoulder like that, out in no man's land. I mean, I had a momentary like flashback of PTSD to that awful collision in the Blue Jays game a couple oh, yeah. of days ago where uh, Bichette and Springer just collided and destroyed each other. So thank goodness there wasn't that. And then for Dansby to make that play, it kind of brought some life back into the crowd. Of course, at that point, it was a 0-0 game. No real offense to speak of. Uh, that, that was a superb play. I mean, it, obviously, we didn't know in the moment that the Braves were going to come around and score three runs about 20 minutes later, but uh, just uh, a, a phenomenal play. And also, it was the final out of the top of the sixth, and Bryce Harper was up next. Yep. So you talk about the game within the game. If that ball drops, Real Muto can really run. He might be on second base, and then you're facing Harper. Maybe you intentionally walk him, then you're putting two on. You know, those those are the the you know one play that can swing a game if you don't make it. And credit to Dansby for making a, a really nice catch. Yeah, and look, that's a a microcosm of his season. You know, Dansby, I think coming into the playoffs was number two in the league and outs above average among all positions. Like he had, he's having a Gold Glove caliber, Platinum Glove caliber kind of season. And uh, good to have your best guy defensively making that kind of play in that spot to potentially save some damage in the future. All right, let's uh, hold off for one moment, Scott, before we dive into the fun of the bottom of the sixth inning when the Braves actually scored some runs in this game. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, Scott, the sixth inning did not start out terribly exciting on the uh, on the batting side in the bottom half. In fact, two outs, no damage, and then Ronald Acuna gets hit, gets hit by a pitch with two outs. He immediately goes down, was down for a while. The trainer came out immediately. It was uh, He was hit on the right elbow. He uh, eventually, after a pretty long break, stays in to run, and I think a lot of us, including myself, thought he might be staying in to run and then maybe coming out at that point. Uh, he, I guess he went, he went back to the clubhouse by uh, some of the reporting that were people, the people that were actually in the building tonight. But after all of that, he ends up staying in the game. Uh, he of course scores in the inning a little bit later on, but that was a scary moment for a guy. You know, the Braves obviously need, you know, I, I picked him to win the MVP of the series on our podcast a few days ago, and he's had a great series so far. He's been one of the only guys that's been consistently getting on base. Um, 
I think I actually, I think you just saw a quote that I'm going to let you pass along that he said to Emily Network after the game. But, uh, you know, all seems to be well-ish for Ronnie. I, I'm sure that uh, they would have taken it easy with him if they had any choice whatsoever. And I'm sure they'll do some more imaging or something like that on the elbow at this point. But the fact, the fact they stayed in the game, probably a positive sign. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I know the broadcast said that Guillermo Heredia ran down and started warming up. Uh, but the fact that Ronald went out there right after it happened, you worry maybe a little bit tomorrow when he wakes up if the elbow is going to be super stiff or what kind of bruising it will have. But you would assume if he was able to not only run, even if he was in clear pain, but able to run and then return to the field and have an at-bat in the eighth inning. Granted, he did not look particularly comfortable in that at-bat. Um it is encouraging. I mean, you would at least assume that there's nothing broken or there's no hairline fracture or anything that's going to uh, cost him the rest of the playoffs. We will see how it progresses over the next 36 hours. Uh, Ronald did have a great quote uh, talking to MLB Network after the game. He said, I've already missed one postseason. I'm not going to miss another one. <laughs> well, there you uh, go. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a kid who we, I mean, we we talked about it on our preview podcast a couple of days ago, how hungry Ronald Ronald was going to be after missing all of the fun last year. Um, so for him to stay in, thank goodness it was not a serious injury. A 96-mile-an-hour fastball cutting in and hitting it. It looked like it hit the elbow pretty flush. Uh, there, There's zero padding on that part of your body. Um, so thank goodness there was no at least immediate injury. We will see how he progresses. I am sure he has a gigantic ice pack around his elbow right now, wherever Ronald may be. Uh, and let's hope he's ready to go on Friday. Yeah. Um, I'll stop short. And I think you would agree. We, we should not just declare that he's okay moving forward at this point. I'm sure they'll do some tests. I'm sure they'll look at it. But uh, hopefully they avoided any damage there. And that was the beginning of what we did not know was going to happen, but was a rally. Uh, that was he got he gets on base there. Dansby then walks and that immediately just just the hit by pitch followed by the walk was the biggest threat of the night to that point. It had been so quiet and talked about a second ago. And then Matt Olson delivers an RBI single off the glove of Reese Hoskins to take a lead for the Braves at one nothing. Um, I don't know. This, is, this doesn't actually matter, Scott. That was probably an error, right? Like it was probably a play that needs to be made oh. by, by Hoskins. It was it was called yeah. a hit, but it was, I, I uh, think favorable. I haven't seen it yet, but I would imagine almost word for word, Reese Hoskins will say in the post game, I, "I should have made that play." Uh, but yeah. we knew. I mean, we we at some point the Philadelphia defense was going to show up in this series, and I mean, it was not a it was not a routine sixty mile an hour ground ball that he just whiffed on through his legs. I mean, it was hit pretty well. It was. Like, but yes, he he should have caught it. He didn't. It sparked a big rally. And again, man, as we know, defense, it's the little things. Defense maybe doesn't get evaluated or looked at every single day during a 162-game season, but it can sure show up this time of year. It's the little stuff. And, you know, we kind of rolled our eyes after uh, the Castellanos catch in game one because he's a bad defender in the corner outfield spot. It's not like guys can't make plays that are not always great defenders, but Hoskins is not their worst defender by any means, but he did not make that play and ends up scoring a run to sort of uh, take the top off a little bit. At that point, Acuna and Olsen, by the way, had reached base in 11 of 16 plate appearances in the series. That's a pretty good ratio if you do the math. Yeah, on not that. bad. Um, and then Riley comes up with a chance to add on to it and has a, honestly, a perfectly placed kind of swinging bunt situation. Like of all the guys on the roster, you would pick to have a swinging bunt in that spot. I'm not sure Riley would be anywhere near the top of that list, but he really just put it in the perfect spot. And there was nothing that anybody, that wasn't a defensive breakdown by Philly. It just was uh, one of the, one of those plays that just happens in baseball where like a guy just doesn't do anything special. It just kind of taps to the right spot and he beats it out and everybody scores and it's two nothing all of a sudden. Yeah, it's funny how the baseball gods work, right? Like yesterday's game, uh, the Phillies, I mean, I don't want to say they got lucky, but I mean, so many of their rallies were on weak contact balls that were hit on the ground and just skidded under someone's glove. And tonight it was the Braves' turn. None of Olsen, Riley, I guess Darno hit the ball pretty well. But again, man, you, you take them any way you can get them for every 420-foot home run the Braves are going to hit you will absolutely take a perfectly placed swinging bunt. And as we know, I mean, it felt like runs were going to be at a premium, especially after the rain. Uh, you could tell the ball just was not carrying at no. all. 
tonight. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm jumping ahead, but like Marcel crushed one that just died about 370 feet away from the plate and uh, all night long. I mean, Bryce Harper launched one. There was just Michael, no Michael Harris had ones to the, to the wall as well. He did. Um, and yeah, left. just just no carry. And you have to be able to win games when you aren't hitting a bunch of homers. Uh, and, and again, credit to the Braves. They put together some really good at bats. Um, I also think, I mean, obviously, Ronald was in a ton of pain and agony after getting hit on the elbow. But Ronald was down for probably five minutes. Um, after that, Dansby gets on. I believe Dansby worked like an eight-pitch walk. Matt Olson gets his single. Riley had a lengthy at-bat. Darno had a lengthy at-bat. I think the delay probably shook Zach Wheeler a little bit. And I mean, it's it's no fault of anyone's other than Wheeler. He was the one who hit Ronald with the pitch. Uh, but again, I think it just kind of distracted Wheeler a little bit and it was the Braves' benefit. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad theory for sure. And it's kind of weird. Like it wasn't like Wheeler was bad in the stretch. Like you get the, it's a pretty hard hit ball by Olsen, but it was a play that Hoskins could make. Riley just taps one. And then even the even the Darno single to make it three nothing wasn't like it was roped like it was hit reasonably hard but that's a ground ball that you see that's not ending up in a hit a lot necessarily and really you know it was the hit by, it was hit by pitch walk and then three straight singles none of which were like mashed so yeah you know it, it is what it is it's baseball sometimes <laughs> it's funny the uh, it is baseball right baseball gods they have a funny sense of humor uh, you know the Darno single up the middle was almost picture perfect from what he did against Chris Bassett against the Mets. Oh, yeah. He had that long at bat and then just kind of threw his bat out there and it went up the middle. Uh, it seems like teams shift Travis quite a bit into, into the shortstop hole. And I mean, again, I want to go back and look at those two at bats, but I'm guessing that ball couldn't have been more than a couple of feet different on the path. Um, one last note, Brad, as we wrap up this inning uh, after the game just reported, Ronald does not have any structural damage in his elbow. I think we kind of assume that because they put him back in the outfield and he swung the bat, but nonetheless, very encouraging. And we'll just hope and wait that uh, the elbow does not swell up overnight. Yeah, that's good news. And, you know, they have a day off on Thursday, so we'll uh, get a reevaluation at some point, but uh, more positives there on Ronnie. So obviously if you saw the end of the game, if you saw the final score of the game, even uh, that was the end of the scoring in this contest at the end of the sixth inning, Um, AJ Mitchell comes in and breezes through a shutdown inning in the seventh um the offense doesn't do much else you, you talked about uh, ozuna's near home run in the seventh but uh, kind of an interesting um fake out by snit between the seventh and eighth innings he kept mentor in the game had mentor warm up on the mound to open the eighth inning and uh then philly pinch hit for him uh i guess with a righty to face mentor and then snit immediately pulled mentor because they had iglesias ready to go did that matter a ton maybe not but i thought it was a little bit of a funny gamemanship from snit just to have that, that little uh club in your bag to be able to like right, you know what we're gonna go ahead and go with iglesias now <laughs> it was just funny. uh yeah like that's it. that's world series champion manager brian snitker for you i like that a lot that was fun um anyway iglesias keeps it right where it was there was a nice play by, by eddie rosario actually you know a guy who has not been playing good defense this year by any stretch but a, a nice play by him to limit Segura to a single like just perfectly played honestly off the wall and then the other absurd web gem of the day in addition to Dansby's play was the Austin Riley tarp play down the line uh that was a, just a crazy play he ran a long long way I meant to look it up on the stat cast like how much he actually ran but uh Riley not a small man was uh certainly rumbling and stumbling down the line busting it and then uh makes kind of a backhand over the shoulder play just an awesome an awesome play by Riley to uh, basically end any, any doubt of what was going to happen in that inning too. Yeah. I mean, there was a net there, but if, if Austin doesn't have the the perfect timing, I mean, he could have gone into the stands. I mean, live watching it live. I was worried he was going to get hurt too, because he was running backwards. Full speed. Yeah. All yeah. the whole thing was, the whole thing was just fast the way it was all happening. And he's a big boy. I mean, that that's a big collision. He made an incredible catch and also had the presence of mind to then fire it back into the infield. Uh, again, kind of like the Dansby Swanson play a couple innings earlier, uh, there was a runner on, and to get that second out in the inning from Riley was huge. Who knows what happens if he doesn't make that play, but again, man, all it takes, the margin of error in these games can be so small. And I mean, that was a hell of a play by Austin <laughs> it, Riley. It really was. Uh, even, you know, uh, like even a- the national, <laughs> yeah, even the national like Twitter accounts were were buzzing about it. 
Yeah, and justifiably so. We got a few. We got a few asked about his Gold Glove defense. I, I had to laugh about that. Look, I'll, I'll take that one all day long. I, I made fun of that quite a bit. That's uh, that's okay. It was an awesome play by Austin Riley. We all had fun with that with that moment. Um, other than that, like you know, Iglesias does his job. Kenley does his job in the ninth. There was the bizarre play that, you know, in, in years past, perhaps would have been something that like bit the Braves, the two out, uh, the net gate episode with Travis Darno, uh, where it was pretty obvious to everyone watching that Darno grabbed the net and that's what they saw. But uh, it was a, just a weird play where the umpires ruled that it hit the net. They tried to challenge it, but I don't know how you overturn it because you don't, you don't really have a great angle on that because the net goes way up in the air. And the whole thing was just very strange. If you weren't watching it, it's kind of tough to explain. But no matter what, like the call stood, uh, it didn't actually matter. They got the out moments later. But that was a strange play. And I'm glad it wasn't like 3-2 at that point. 3 nothing. people weren't like totally melting down. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine yeah. if that game was, if it was a one-run game and people nope. were dealing with that? that, that been <laughs> not, whew, yeah, on the edge. Yeah there <laughs> it was like uh it was like here we go right like all of a sudden bryce is gonna bloop one and then there'll be a whatever and a whatever and all of a sudden the game's tied no thankfully kenley looked really sharp he, did. Uh, he got bryce to strike out it was peppering the zone uh was was locating had both uh reese hoskins and jt real muto were not getting good swings on him uh so yeah kenley looked good i mean shout out to this bullpen we talked about it a little while ago. If if the Braves can get the ball to AJ Minter, Rice Della Glacius, who has been like stupid good, and Kenley Jansen, like th- that that's the Braves' formula this year. It's basically the night shift 2.0, uh, which we're gonna talk about here in a minute, sadly. Um, but like shout out to Alex Anthopoulos for at the deadline adding like a legitimate top like 10 reliever in the game for Tucker Davidson and having to pay the rest of Rysel's contract, like just huge. I mean, just another brilliant move at the trade deadline by Anthopolis. Yeah. We spent some time on the game one wrap up talking about the bullpen as one of the bright spots of that game. And even if you were to include Jesse Chavez, who did not pitch well in game one, including him, the Braves have now thrown, I believe it's eight and two thirds in the bullpen in the, in the, in the series and have, have allowed one run. And the last Seven and two thirds have been with zero runs between Dylan Lee, Colin McHugh, Jackson Stevens, and then the three guys tonight. It's been six different pitchers since Chavez exited game one, and they've all thrown scoreless baseball. So that doesn't get much better than that. That's pretty uh, pretty impressive stuff from the bullpen. Yeah. We talked about it in, on the preview too. Like it, it was a on paper strength of the series. And with Robertson out for Philly, that's even been more strengthened. That advantage, you know, nothing is assured in baseball, but like if you look up and down this up and down the rosters, like that is a pretty significant edge, and it has been so far through. Even with the, even with the loss in game one, they still won the bullpen matchup. Like they've been good. Yeah, yeah, thirteen scoreless innings from Braves pitchers since game one, and again, I mean, I'm not I, I'm not trying to make excuses, but <laughs> Philadelphia was not exactly hitting 450 foot bombs yesterday when they scored their seven runs in five innings or whatever it was like they had some really good approaches they beat the shift but like i i um i mean i'm not trying to jinx it here but i've been pretty underwhelmed by philly offensively oh oh no um so when they hit 11 home runs on friday everybody can (laughs) add me well i mean they're they're gonna add me either way but no i mean it's it's a testament to how good the braves pitching has been with the bullpen and, and with kyle today uh, they've really done a nice job picking up Max, who just was not very sharp yesterday. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, I was not playing to say it in this way, but if you are on the other side, you could say the Braves not been really hit, hitting the ball that well in the series either. You know, aside from the Matt Olson home run yesterday, they had no extra base hits in this game and won by three runs. Like, yeah. how many times this year have the Braves won by three runs with no extra, with no extra base hits? Uh, yeah. I need to look that up. It, the, the number's not very large. I, I can say that right now. The number's not very large yeah. for, for multi-run wins with no extra base hits. So that's uh, kind of just the, the price you pay with great pitching and timely hitting. So Yeah, we've had we've had two very different games so very, far. Yes. We, we talked about that coming in on the preview pod, right? Like, were they going to be high-scoring affairs? Were they going to be low-scoring? Well, both teams could have very easily had like 12 runs in game one. And then today it was basically limited to one half inning where, I mean, that was not only the only offense, but like that was the only threat that either team had all day. It wasn't like Philly had runners all over the place and just couldn't score. It's not like the Braves uh, kept putting runners on and just couldn't get that one hit. 
Uh, I mean, it's been it's been uh, two very different ball games so far. It'll be very interesting to see what kind of games we have in in Citizens Bank Park. Yeah, and on that note, we'll transition now from Game Two to kind of look ahead the rest of the way. Um, I, I mentioned this briefly earlier in the show, but with this win, the Braves were, you know, the Braves were underdogs in every possible projection system or betting market that I saw for the series after game one, which makes sense. You, you lose game one at home with your number one star on the mound. Um, no matter who you're playing, you're probably not going to be favored to win the series. But with this win, uh, the Braves are now favored at 538, 60, 40. They're 57% to win the series on zips over at fan graphs. Um, I saw a couple of the betting markets like DraftKings and FanDuel had the, had the Braves like the minus 150, 160 range. So like, does that mean anything? Who knows, but the, the projections, the systems and the markets kind of all like the Braves now to be in a pretty good spot. And uh, that obviously is encouraging compared to what it was yesterday. Um, we'll save the the pure game three look ahead for the end of the podcast. There are two little notes to hit on here, um, one of which has to do with this series. And one of them is not is more of a separate note. Um, we should step back a little bit. And uh, you and I and Eric talked about the sort of the approach to the series and the lineups and who's going to play and all that fun stuff in game one, it was to no surprise. It was Robbie Grossman and left. It was Contreras at DH in game two. Um, again, in my mind, no surprise, even though I, I would not have done this. Um, they went with Ozuna at DH and Rosario and left. Um, we touched on it a little bit then. I'm not sure if your opinion has changed at all, but my, my main gripe is not playing Contreras. I mean, that, that's a mistake. Did it kill them today? Obviously not. Um, but I, I want to know what you kind of thought about that. And that was kind of the only decision that was really made in this game at all. It was before, it was before the game uh, actually even happened. Everybody else was kind of just ABC. Yeah, I think it's based on all of the recent trends. I guess it's kind of what to expect. Um, I'm I'm still would like to have Bill Contreras in the lineup. I feel like whenever he's out there, good things happen. But it, it's not a huge gripe one way or the other. Uh, Marcel had some good at bats tonight, almost homered, worked the yeah, count he looked, pretty he well. Fine. He looked fine. Yeah. Sure. It was not like, oh my God, what are we doing? Um, again, if it was if it was me making the lineups and I am not World Series champion manager Brian Stitcher, <laughs> uh, I would have Contreras out there just because I, I just think he's such a dynamic hitter, gets on base, has the power, like a a, a true player who can can single-handedly win a game right like he can he can have multiple homers he he works the count uh i would have him out there and then i mean for really all year left field has been a black hole eddie rosario has not hit all year robbie grossman has been uh okay i guess i mean he's had a couple of moments but he's not exactly been good either uh so i think at this point if if they just keep rolling out some kind of a platoon uh it you know that that's going to be the mo moving forward and they're probably going to be batting ninth too yeah i mean i'll be surprised if anything changes for game three i mean they're facing another righty in game three i expect it to be the same guys who played today um they won today in particular all that stuff like snit kind of like rolled with his guys and i would get i would bet on that if i had to bet at this point it'll be the same exact lineup as it was on wednesday um the only non-playoff thing here is that Tyler Matzik uh, had Tommy John surgery, which is brutal, obviously. We talked about him uh, yesterday kind of you know being left off the playoff roster and the fact that it was injury-related and elbow. There was some second opinion stuff going on. Generally speaking, when you're having a second opinion on your elbow, that's not good news, and it ends up being uh, basically the worst news. This essentially takes him out for 2023 as well. Um, there's a whole other discussion there about like what you do with him because he's going to be arbitration eligible and do you tender him and we'll save a lot of that i think but um clearly just brutal stuff and he, he had a, he had a funny tweet about uh, I, I won't i won't say what he said but it was oh, uh, you can say it brad it we're, was we're, funny. PG, we're pg 13 here he mentioned that he did not have a vasectomy it was uh he was kind of just being funny uh but that's <laughs> that's a very on brand tyler matzik tweet everyone loves tyler matzik uh playoff hero world series hero all that all that all that fun stuff and he was not the same guy this year by any means but and that's maybe why he was uh maybe maybe this is why maybe his elbow's been active active all year long but uh just kind of sad and obviously he's gonna be out for you know a year plus now you'd imagine yeah i I tweeted this earlier on wednesday but i mean the man gave his elbow and his shoulder for a world series last year like it's not a coincidence that after Matzik threw so many high impact pitches and innings in October during the Braves' run, that he was never healthy all year. He had the bulky shoulder early on. 
Obviously now his elbow is not in good shape. I hope the Braves do right by Tyler. I, I think they will. You know, in, in normal circumstances, if a reliever has Tommy John, unless they're really good, it's almost like an automatic DFA, right? Like you just don't want to – if there's zero chance that he's going to pitch next year, I'm talking in general about a reliever, like you just let him go. I don't think the Braves are going to do that. I would hope that they do the good business and goodwill decision of tendering Matzik even if they come to an agreement knowing that he is not going to pitch and pay him like a million bucks. Like, I, I think that would be in good faith. I think that's something that wins a lot of kudos in the clubhouse as well. Uh, but just, I mean, it's just another bump in the road for Tyler on his incredible story that we all know so well, and we're all going to be rooting for him. I think I speak for everyone when we would love to have him out there in 2024 and fully recovered and as good as ever. But um, it, it kind of felt inevitable that something was going to have to happen with Tyler and uh, to get the Tommy John. Now, I guess the, if you're looking for a silver lining um, it's never good for the injury, but he will have a full season to recover. And then also the off season next year. Yeah. So he has about 18 months to get back to full strength, really with no pressure of trying to rush back early. I think that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, we're, we're thinking of you, Tyler. I'm sure he is tuning into every podcast, but we're, we're thinking of Tyler and, uh, the man, I mean, the man's a legend. What else can you say? Uh, I will speak for all of us and say, Tommy Matzik, come on battery power podcast. Hey, we're, we're happy to it. have you if you want to come on. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I echo all of that for sure. Um, all right, moving on from there to a look ahead to game three, of course, and the rest of the series. Uh, we'll start with what we know about Game 3. It's on Friday afternoon. It's a 4.30 start Eastern time up in Philadelphia. And it's going to be Aaron Nola for the Phillies. Aaron Nola is a Cy Young candidate this year. He is very, very good. Um, this number I thought was wrong when I wrote it down, and it's not. Um, he had 235 strikeouts and 29 walks this season. <laughs> that sounds like made up, but it's it's not. Uh, he, he was really, really good. Um, yep. He doesn't throw all that hard, but he has elite peripherals. His batted ball, the is great. Um, you know, he was not dominant against the Braves this year, at ERA in the mid threes. So like, it wasn't like he just blanked them, but, uh, generally speaking, I would describe him as being one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's not quite on the level of like the absolute, you know, number one, a types, but he's on the next tier down probably. So, you know, is he better than Zach Wheeler? I, I don't think he's, I don't think, I don't think so. I think they're, they're not necessarily similar in their approaches, but they're both very, very good. And the Braves just beat Zach Wheeler. So it's not like they can't win the game, but Nola is really good. And uh, that should not be taken for granted. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. We know we've seen Aaron Nola a ton over the last five or six years. Like, I feel like he, every time the Braves and the Phillies meet, I feel like Aaron Nola has to start one of the three games, uh, just the way the schedule is shaked out. And for the Braves, we'll see as we record this. Uh, we do not know who's going to start game three. Um, and I know, Brad, you've been tuning into this Brian Snitker post-game press conference. The oh, yeah, are, I have stuff now. We'll talk about it. It's coming. They're, they're kind of holding some things close to the vest. I mean, I would assume it's going to be either Charlie Morton or Spencer Strider in game three, and then probably the other one in game four. But that's something for us to kind of wait and see. Yeah, so here it is. The thing is, there's so many dominoes here. I do think that, and I want to know if you agree with me before we move on. I think that if Spencer Strider had never gotten injured uh, and was at full strength and they weren't worried about it at all, he would have either pitched tonight or he would be pitching on Friday without any question. Do you agree with me on that? Yes, 100%. Okay. So we're on the same page with that. Now, there are some, and I'm already seeing on Twitter, um, there's this viewpoint of like, well, if Strider's available, he's got to pitch on Friday. Um, and I get that because, look, he's been much better than Charlie Morton this year. No one, no one would say otherwise. Um, this is one of those times when we have to acknowledge that we don't know what the team knows and we will not know what the team knows. And this situation with Strider, with what's been leaked, with what's been out there to guys like Bowman and DOB, like they've been openly talking about him, maybe even working out of the bullpen or being limited, not being able to full, throw a full start. That is not coming out of nowhere. They are hearing that at some point. Now, does that mean the Braves are smoke screening? Maybe. But between now and when they announce their game three plan, they're not, we're not going to know <laughs> whether Strider is available to throw a start at full strength, whether he's not available, what they think about, you know, all the stuff. So, like, I'd love to give you my, like, firm opinion on this. But we just I feel like we just cannot have enough information to give a real take on Strider in particular. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. So, Because, like, look, 
I'll say this if, and I think this is pretty obvious to the Braves as well. If they think that he is a hundred percent full go and will, and ready to give his regular performance in a full start, he's going to pitch on Friday, I think. Um, but if he's not, we won't know that they're not going to tell us that. And like snicker, smartly and also like very obviously this is what he was going to do he was asked tonight about his plan for game three and game four and his and his quote i think i saw this from justin justin toscano of bajc um the quote is we have some options <laughs> which is incredible <laughs> i love yeah. snit because look yeah technically- there's no reason for him to say it why why number one okay i just tweeted this too we would love to know i'd love to know what the plan was i'm sure you would as well it'd be a better podcast for us to talk about our opinions on it but with a day off on Thursday and with like the one positive of the Strider thing, if you want to spin it is that the Braves actually have some mystery here. They have more information than everybody else does. They have more information than the Phillies do. It's like, why would they tell anybody now? They're not going to do that. So on one hand, the Phillies can just prepare for both of them. They know the two options are Strider and Morton. They kind of know that. So it's not a big deal necessarily, but the number one domino above all is like, can special Strider throw a starting pitcher workload? And we don't know the answer to that. So yep. yeah, I mean, it's um, I wish we knew, like you said, we, we just don't. I, I think about five people on the planet probably know what the truth is. Um, and we sadly are not one of those five people. So you know, there is so much smoke around Strider. He did an interview with MLB Network, I think, <laughs> yep. on Monday and said that he actually feels better now than he did before the injury, and I want to get back to injury, that keyword there for a minute. What well, and his I, arm, and by the way, it, it wasn't his arm; it's his oblique. So he said he said his arm feels better, which I believe right. he he hasn't been throwing, so I'm sure yes. it feels great. <laughs> right. I mean, and there's now like the the tinfoil hats are out. Like, oh, was Strider ever actually hurt? Did they want to just preserve his innings because they were worried about his arm blowing out? And then, of course, you had the the weirdly timed contract extension. Like there's, there's some full on tinfoil hats out there. Um, I don't know, man, maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's not, but I do agree. If Strider is healthy, I think he starts on Friday. Uh, It's against Aaron Nola, who again, kind of like tonight, the margin of error is going to be very small. Uh, You and I both are big Charlie Morton fans. I, I just, I don't know how much you can trust Charlie right now, given his, his last handful of starts, And it's worth noting here, we're looking ahead a little bit more down the road, but game four is very likely going to be a Philadelphia bullpen game with, I presume, Kyle Gibson starting for at least a couple of innings. Like, I'm I'm sure a dream would be for him to go three innings, you know, one time through the order. Right. Um, So because of that, if you can have Strider go against Nola in game three, then you know that you're going to be able to score some runs off the Philadelphia bullpen. Uh, so if, if then, if you're countering with Morton, maybe Charlie's great, maybe he's not, but that is, I wanted to at least mention that tonight that we have the off day on Thursday game three has huge importance. Like you don't need to be a mathematician to know that the first game in a best of three is incredibly important. Uh, but if game four is going to be a bullpen game, that that's significant. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, for all of the you know discourse about Morton that we've talked about on the podcast, and we're not, not going to do it here. Like he's going to start one of these two games. Uh, so Friday or Saturday will be you know kind of the trade off. There's a school of thought that you just laid out. Like yeah, if Strider's ready to go, you have him against Nola. Um, that's a pretty good matchup for all parties involved. Um, or you know maybe you if you throw Morton, you're obviously the underdog in that game, uh, being that it's in Philly and you have a pitching disadvantage. Um, but then you have the potential hammer with uh strider versus bullpen game on, on Saturday. I don't know. The whole thing is, I do think that they have to have some confidence in Charlie Morton. They just paid him. Um, I know they're higher on him than the outside people are and maybe other than me. Um, it's just one of those things where, uh, nothing will surprise me if it's Morton on Friday, I will not be surprised at all. If it's strider on Friday, I'll not be surprised at all. If it's strider knowing that they can't go deep with him, that won't stun me. Like it could be Strider plus a lot of bullpen work, uh, especially coming off a day off on Thursday. Um, they, they might go in. That's that's also one other angle here that maybe uh, leads to Strider on Friday being a more logical option is that if he's not yeah. going to be full go, you might want your bullpen to be a hundred percent rested when he's out there. Like, yeah. cause you can back him up with whoever you want. And then 
yes, they have a long man in Jaco Dorizzi, but that's not going to be your plan. I think your plan is going to be yep. Chavez or McHugh or those kind of guys who are multi inning potential guys, but not Odorizzi. Odorizzi is the mock up guy for good reason. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah I, I, there's I mean, we talked about every option, I think, at this point. I just don't think we're going to know until Friday. And we shouldn't know. I mean, if you're if you're a Braves fan, you shouldn't want Stitt to say anything. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do any good. I mean, we don't like to know, but just gamesmanship wise, no upside. So yeah, I would imagine call it 10 a.m. on Friday morning, the Braves will announce. Like, it's, and, and... it's the same thing as, as the roster. Like every every time they go to the playoff series, they release the roster at the last possible minute. And it, it's terrible for podcasting because they're releasing the roster on like on the <laughs> yeah, day of well, the game. And it's like, what, what, are we, what are we supposed to do with that? But, won't the Braves finally think of these podcasts? I'm saying they got to <laughs> have some respect for the content creators out there, Braves. But same situation here. So yeah, anyways, I'm sure they're I'm sure we're their top priority. I know, um, I know we are. Uh, I know the credential system is probably similar in that, in that, in that same way. Anyway, uh, I feel pretty good about that. You know, clearly Nola is a, a little bit scary, but that game four, even if you are not a Morton guy or a gal, um, having Morton versus what the Phillies have to offer in that game would be advantage Braves. I, I do feel good about yep. that. And I would, um, I, yeah, I think, um, I mean, you're the Vegas guy. I would imagine the odds going into, into Friday will be 50 50. I mean, does that sound about right with no, I mean, Nola is going to be, well, if it's Strider and he's healthy, I well, think it's probably okay, here, here's the raw. thing. I, I actually, I expect, and I'm, I might be wrong, but as the, as the person who pays attention to the odds, because the game is in Philly and because Nola is pitching, I think Philly will be favored in the game, no matter what, not by a ton, but I think bit. Philly will be a small favorite in the game. Yeah. If it's, if it's Nola against Morton, it'll be a bigger favorite than if it's Strider. Um, I would imagine, but because it's Nola and the games in Philly, that combination, I don't think that, I think maybe if the Braves had free going in the game, it might, they might be favored, but they don't. So uh, and, I think Nola you know, will be favored. And odds are one thing, obviously, but I mean, who's to say that Charlie Morton can't go out there and just throw like six, just oh, you're, you're speaking my language now. Char- Charlie I mean, Morton has been good in the playoffs. People, oh, people yeah. kind of forget and, this, but it's, uh, it's been, it's been the case. I mean, like a month and a half ago, he struck out 12 batters in a game. I mean, I know it was like against Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or somebody, but I mean, the dude has nasty stuff. And as we know with Charlie, it's the home run ball. Obviously pitching in citizens bank park is not ideal for somebody who has home run problems, but uh, there's a scenario where Charlie goes out there and matches or beats Aaron Nola if that is indeed the matchup, or if he pitches on Saturday. Uh, you know, Charlie Morton is a is a veteran and he's been around, so he is better than Kyle Gibson. I'll tell you that right now. No, uh, obviously he's the he's not the same guy this year. He's not been as, as good. No one's saying otherwise. Even if I'm a little bit higher on Morton, but uh, Charlie Morton's last ten playoff starts dating back to 2019, ten starts. 46 and two thirds innings, 58 strikeouts, 20 walks, 2.51 ERA. Like he's been really good in the playoffs. He basically has had, I'm looking at, I'm looking at this now. Has he had a bad start? Yeah. He's had one bad playoff start in the last four years. And it was a world series game against the, against the Dodgers as a member of the Rays in 2020. So like in front of, you know, in Texas, yeah, yeah, in, te- in, in Texas, Texas in at Globe of... Life in a weird situation. And <laughs> right. it wasn't even that bad in that start. It was just so anyway, Charlie has been pretty good and reliable. You know, famously last year he got he got hurt in the World Series game. Before that, he had three pretty good starts. And the Braves uh I think only went one and two, maybe two and one of those starts, but he he was not the reason. He pitched pretty well in all three. So anyway, I feel pretty good. If you're a Braves fan, uh, clearly a different tone to this podcast than the one last night. My apologies to Eric Cole, who uh, got the the short end of the stick with the loss podcast on Tuesday. But um, yeah, plenty of content coming up as well. I don't know about you, Scott. Uh, I have nothing else to say about this game. Uh, we will have, um, I am told anyway, hopefully, fingers crossed, a uh, an off day show that will not and it will not involve, I think, either one of us. But there is an off day show in the works to drop on Thursday into Friday, so there'll be more more podcast content in this space, but anything else to add Scott before you get out of here? No, this was a great game for Atlanta tonight that they really executed and just kind of cleaned some things up from a very frustrating game one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a best of three. I, I like the Braves. I picked the Braves in four. I think you did too, Brad. Yep. Um, you know, against Aaron Nola is going to be a challenge, but as we know, man, I mean, this Braves lineup is so good. They work the count so well. Uh, 
Um, so it should be a really fun, hopefully two Braves wins in Philadelphia. It would be pretty sweet to be able to eliminate Philly on their home field. Uh, but if it has to come back to Atlanta and truest, you know, that in game five, uh, <laughs> the ballpark will be rocking. And, um, but again, thanks to everybody for tuning in. This is just such a great time of year. These are fun podcasts to do, especially when they win. And even when they lose, you know what, do us a favor, play it for five minutes, download it helps us out um, or listen all the way through. I don't know, man. Like it, it's um, Enjoy there, the fun. there are a lot of teams that would kill to have a playoff loss to talk about um, like the New York Mets. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun. Like the New York Metropolitans shots yeah. fired when at is, the Mets on the way when out. When is the next, yeah. When's the next Mets game? I haven't seen them. I believe that's April. Um, ah, April, perhaps, nice. perhaps March, perhaps March. I'm not sure when they're actually yeah, going to open. But... They have the spring training, but no, no playoff games left. That's weird. Yeah, that's that's the case. <laughs> um, we'll, leave, we'll leave that. We'll leave that there right now. But um, yeah, that's all we got for tonight. We will, uh, as we always do, have shows after every game in this series. As I mentioned before, um, plans are in the works for an off day podcast as well. But the best way to find the show is to subscribe to the podcast across platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, we should be there. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. If we're not somewhere that you like to listen to podcasts, let us know. I'll do my best to get us on there. But um, rate and review, tell a friend, download old episodes, check out the Game 1 recap, um, download it again, delete it, download it again. Game of System for us. We, we really appreciate all the support. And also, please read batterypower.com. Um, great written coverage always. Um, Chris Willis heads that up. But uh, a full stable of writers, of which I'm very very rarely one these days, but Scott writes things. And uh, Demetrius, and Chris, and Steven, and Ivan, who is fantastic and not on Twitter, so he's, he, I guess, maybe never gets the uh, accolades that he should. But Ivan's great. And uh, the full staff is awesome. So read, listen, subscribe, follow us, all that fun stuff. See you later on this week.